Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hi. It's good to be with all of you tonight. Why don't we open in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for being here in our midst. Father, we worship you, we love you, and we are eager to receive the word that you have for us tonight, knowing that it's going to bring change to our lives. Change for the better, Father, because you're a good God. Father, I pray that the word has free course tonight and that it is glorified. I thank you for hearing ears and receptive hearts in Jesus' precious name. Amen? Amen. Amen. When I asked the Lord what he wanted me, what he wanted to say um, to us tonight, I waited for a while before I heard anything. And then I heard the Lord clearly say that he wants us to know that our words matter. And the way he said it in my spirit was, your words matter matter. So I believe that this is a word that the Lord is having us receive tonight. Therefore, the anointing of God is upon this word, and it's going to produce good things. Amen? Amen? Amen. And I also believe that by the end of this message, a lot of us, if not all of us, really it should be all of us, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, I believe that a lot of us will realize that the words that we have been speaking have been working against us. We had Brother Sean Hershey here this, this weekend. Could you just, by a show of hands, who was here this weekend to hear that word? Okay, for those that weren't, um, he was pointing out to us that we have a, a real adversary. His name is Satan. You could call him the devil, the, someone who comes to oppose the brethren. He's an accuser of the brethren. He's very real. Jesus talked a lot about Satan. Um, and he was letting us know of Satan's working in our lives and how the enemy will come to oppose the plan of God for our lives. But what we're going to see tonight is that we've been given authority over him. We have been given authority by the Lord Jesus Christ to have all authority over any, any of the works. Any means all. The works of the enemy. So if we already have authority over him, where are we getting tripped up and why are we not experiencing what we know the word God says about abundant life? We believe that God's not a man that he should lie. We believe that if he spoke it, he will perform it. But we're just not seeing the words on the paper coming to life in each one of our lives. And we're going to see tonight why that is. We'll have an opportunity, and the good news is this, we're gonna have an opportunity to turn things around in our lives and by putting this message into action. It's going to do none of us, including myself. I have, I've had to live this. It, it will do none of us any good if we hear the word and we shake our heads and we agree to it, but then we leave here tonight and we do the same old, same old, <clears throat> excuse me, and we don't, do what we hear, we don't do the word. Words 
matter. Words are really important to God. Psalm 138.2 tells us that God has magnified or exalted his word above every name of God that's named in the entire Bible. Isn't that amazing? His word, he has magnified above every name of his. That's powerful. An example, something that I thought about it as I was meditating on, on the message was that God could have chosen any means he wanted, to ch- he wanted to create everything that we see, right? He's, right? He's God. He could have, I don't know, taken his royal scepter and just boom, hit, hit the ground and shoo, everything that wasn't became. He could have done that. He could have snapped his fingers, right? And boom, everything would be. But he didn't create the universe. He didn't create mankind. He didn't create everything that is seen. That way, he chose to use his word. Words matter. And words are really powerful. We've probably all heard the the proverb that um, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those that love it, We'll eat the fruit thereof. We've heard that version, but I found a version that I thought was really cool and I wanted to share it with you tonight. It's in God's Word Translation, GWT. And it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love to talk will have to eat their own words. So we want to make sure they're good words because we're going to eat them. We are. And a lot of us are eating, have eaten our words and we're living as a result of those words right? Living circumstances that are contrary to what God says in his word about a blessed life. Let's look at a powerful example of words in action. And we're going to turn to Luke. For those of you who brought a Bible tonight, Luke chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. And I'm going to stop now and then to just expound on some things. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, and that's what's up on the screens right now. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Point one, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that same Spirit that he was filled with led him to the place that he was at. So how many of you would say he was really equipped? He was really, he was filled to overflowing and he was led, his steps were ordered by the Lord. So God had him on assignment. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, so the devil uses words too. If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Let's stop here for a minute. Our adversary, our enemy knows how important words are. He's not stupid. He knows how important words are. And we're told in the parable of the soils in Mark chapter four, that he comes, meaning Satan, he comes immediately when the word goes out to steal that word. He's after 
the word. A lot of people, you, you know, you talk to a brother or sister and they say, oh my gosh, you know, Satan's really been after me this week or the devil's been, you know, knocking on my door or whatever. Well, he's not really caring about you. He wants the word of God. And it's good to know that because if you know what he's after, you can protect it and we ought to. So Satan comes immediately to take away the word that is sown or was sown in their hearts, the parable of the soil says. He was coming to Jesus for the word that the Holy Spirit, actually the God him, the Father himself, spoke in the, in the chapter just before this, in chapter three, verse 22, when we hear that a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in whom and in you I am well pleased. So it was an established fact. God had just spoken it and Satan knows when God says it, that settles it. So it was settled and Jesus heard those words and Jesus knew who he was. So the enemy was coming to try to steal that word spoken by the Father to Jesus out of Jesus's heart. Let's continue reading. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, Jesus believed what God's word says. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, is called the word of God, the word made flesh, the word that dwelt among us. So Jesus was 100% in unity and aligned with and submitted to his father, the word. So Jesus knew that what the enemy was saying was a perversion and he was trying to steal the truth of the word from his heart and Jesus answered him back with Deuteronomy 8.3. He quoted a scripture from the Old Testament to come back and to come back at the devil with. And we need to know in our lives that when we're going through things that we know are contrary to God's will for our lives, for our marriages, for our families, for our children, for our businesses, for whatever, when things start to happen around us, when circumstances are contrary to what the word of God says, we need to know that we have a choice to guard the word of God that we have put in our hearts and not side in with the circumstances that are contrary to the word of God. As Jesus did, he did not cave. He stuck with the word and he used the word to come back at the enemy. Let's continue. Then the devil, taking him up, Jesus up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, he's using his words again, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Let's stop here again. Adam and Eve, in a sense, committed high treason in the garden when they gave what God had given them to the devil. Super condensed version. So what the devil is saying here is true. He had been given that authority. But Jesus knew that the word of God says that he is to love the Lord thy God with all of his heart. And Jesus came back at the enemy who was trying to give this authority, tempting Jesus to take this authority in a way that was going to circumvent 
the plan of God because God had a certain plan that Jesus had to walk out in complete obedience. The enemy wanted him to take a shortcut. Jesus said, Jesus was in his heart, was having none of it. And we know that because out of his heart, he spoke this. He said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Again, he was going back to the author, ultimate authority in his life, the word of God, and he quoted, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. He was quoting again from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 6 and chap, chapter 6 and chap, chapter 10. So again, Jesus used his words to come back at the enemy. Then he brought, then he, meaning Satan, brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you and to keep you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him and said, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 6.16 to the enemy. Now the last account where Jesus took him up on a high mountain. In this account, where he set him on the pinnacle of the temple, were things that were happening in the realm of the spirit. The spirit realm, or as we've been learning on the weekends, the unseen realm. So this was being played out in the realm of the spirit. But Jesus knew that his victory would always be in standing on the word of God. And not only believing it, and that's where a lot of us miss it, we believe the word of God, but we come short when we're not speaking it. We're not speaking what we believe from our heart. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Satan came to steal the word of God from Jesus' heart, but Jesus guarded his heart diligently, and he shut down every attempt the enemy made to get him off track to get him to walk away from the plan of God. And this is the interesting thing. Jesus did this as a man filled with the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Ghost. He had not yet gone to the cross. He hadn't yet been resurrected. This was done as a man. So he's to be our example, right? We're to follow him in everything that we do. So when, when Encountering oppos the opposition of the enemy, Jesus knew he had to use the word. How much more do we have to use the word? Amen? Amen? But Jesus, this is the good news, Jesus has already gone to the cross. This was taking place before. We're living in the after effects of the cross and the resurrection. So right now, he's seated in heaven at God's right hand. He's already defeated Satan for us, already defeated him for us. And he's given his body, the body of Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're here tonight, he has given you authority to use his word, to speak the word of God, to enforce the victory of the cross. He's expecting us to do that. Let's look at Hebrews 3.1, because when Jesus came to this earth, he came as the son of man. 
and he is this, the Lamb of God, and he is the Son of God. And now he's fulfilling a ministry also at God's right hand in the heavenlies, in the third heaven, or the, the highest heaven where the throne of God is located. Jesus has sat down, and he's seated next to his Father. He's seated at his right hand, and he has a function. And we're going to see what that is. Hebrews 3.1, Therefore, holy brethren, if you're born again, if you're here tonight and you're a believer in Christ, then you're brethren. So the author of Hebrews is speaking to you and me. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and hot, and the apostles capital, capitalized, so it's speaking of Jesus. And the high priest also capitalized, speaking of Jesus, of our confession, Christ Jesus. Jesus is seated at God's right hand, and according to Hebrews 3.1, he is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Now, this you might read over this, and you may have read, read it a, a number of times, but it doesn't mean, it's not as rich until you pull apart every single word and find out exactly what each word means and each function means. We're going to look at the word apostle if you're taking notes tonight. An apostle is one, and in this case Jesus Christ, one who is sent to establish. An apostle is one who is sent to establish. And establish means to show to be valid or true, to prove, to bring about permanently. High priest, a high priest is one who goes to God on behalf of another. The high priest was the one who went into the Holy of Holies on behalf of the children of Israel. And the word confession is what we confess or simply what we say, our words are words that matter. So another way we could say this is this. I love this. Jesus is the one who establishes, shows to be valid, and brings about permanently what we say, and he goes to God with our words. Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus is sitting there waiting to do. So I want to ask you a question. What are you giving, what words are you giving him? What are you giving him to work with? I just can't see Jesus sitting at God's right hand twiddling his thumbs, waiting. But you know what? In some of our lives, and I'm putting myself in the same boat. I'm, the finger's pointing back at me too. In some of our lives, he's probably doing that because all we're doing is talking about the adverse circumstances. This is happening, this is happening, that's happening. I can't believe this. Every time this year, this happens. I have this, I don't have that. And Jesus is sitting there waiting. What is he waiting for? Amen. Let's look. Which words can he establish? John 15, seven tells us, we get the answer. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, meaning your heart, in your heart. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So if we abide in him 
and we're born again, and the Bible says that we're in Christ, so, and we're, we're abiding in him, we're born again, we're born from above, we're in Christ, then we're in him, and we need to make sure that his word, or his words, are abiding, or ha have made a permanent residence in our hearts. Then we will ask, asking is words, right? If you ask something, you have to articulate it. So you're using words. So the words have to be his words, the words that are abiding in our heart. So as we speak Jesus's words, we know that what we ask will be done for us. But Jesus can't establish any words, any other words than his own. Unless it's God's word, he can't present it to the Father. So we have to give him his word in order for him to be high priest and apostle of what we're speaking. We can do this, and I'm gonna show you why. You might say, oh well, I'm not saved that long, or I don't know much of the word of God, and I feel like I'm coming short. You know, somebody that's been saved longer than I have knows so much more of the Bible than I do. Listen to this. Jeremiah 31, 33 in the New Living Translation says, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Now what the prophet Jeremiah is speaking of is the dispensation that we're living in. After Jesus Christ, the Messiah was crucified and resurrected, God was saying there's gonna be a new covenant a spiritual agreement that's gonna be made because of what Jesus did, because he shed his blood. And I, have, I wanna make this point too, every single covenant always contains two, at least two things. They have to be in every single covenant. Blood and words. Isn't that interesting? Blood and words. So God the Father is saying, the Holy Spirit through the prophet is saying that this new covenant is gonna be made with the people of Israel and us as well, I will put my instructions, words, right? Instructions or words? I'll put my words deep within them and I will write them, words, on their hearts, not their minds, not in their heads. I will write them on their hearts. Uh, this is a little bit of an aside. My children have been telling me they want me to get a tattoo and I'm just putting my foot down about this tattoo. You're probably thinking I'm nuts and where am I going with this? I refuse, I just, it's not my thing, it's not my thing. I don't have to, I don't feel like I need to fit in. I'm okay the way I am. So it's like, no, I won't. Oh, come on, you know, you could get scriptures. It's like, no, my heart's tattooed. <laughs> I, and that's what I did to them one day. Guess what, I have a tattoo, I have a tattoo. They're, what, where did you get it? On oh, my heart, funny mom. Anyway, we all have tattooed hearts. So when we're born again, the Spirit of God tattoos the Word of God on each one of our hearts. So it's already in there. The Word is already in our hearts. God has set us up to succeed. He doesn't want us to fail. He's given us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the word of God tattooed on our hearts. And if we're born again, we have his spirit living inside of us. Listen to this. A change of heart should produce a change in words. If it doesn't, something's wrong. And we need to do a checkup. We need to get our heart checked. 
Actually, our heart's not wrong, but what we're speaking out of our mouth is. What we're allowing to happen to our words that are in our heart, something happens and we start speaking contrary to the word of God. And we can't do that if we want to get God's results, if we want to experience, we are blessed people, but if we want to see the blessing manifest in our lives, what good is it to know that your, some relative left you gazillions of money and you're not accessing it? Is that going to change your life? No, you're going to stay the same. And the same thing is true with God. He has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. But we have to cooperate with his plan and use the right words because words matter. Luke 6.45, Jesus said this, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and I put in parentheses in my notes, brings forth good words. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil words. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks, and I put again in parentheses in my notes, speaks words. Our hearts and our mouths are connected. They work together. Whatever is in our heart will determine to a very large degree what comes out of our mouth. You can, if you talk to people long enough, not in a judgmental sense, in pastoral care, if, if I've spoken with you, if we've, if we've met, um, I'll often sit and listen or I might just ask certain pointed questions and the reason I'm doing it is not to be rude, but it's because I wanna locate where you're at. Because if I can find out where you are, I can bring you to where you're wanting to be. But I need to hear what you're saying because what you're saying lets me know what you really believe. Because most people when they talk are not gonna be saying something that they don't really believe. Amen? Amen? In other words, what we believe in our heart will eventually come out of our mouth, especially when the pressure is on. A lot of you may have heard um, the analogy, when the pressure comes and you're squeezed, you're like a tube of toothpaste. What's in there will come out. And it's true. What's inside of you when the pressure comes is going to come out. So if you have the word of God in you. We know it's tattooed on your heart. As you're reading the word, as you're studying the word, and you're storing up God's word in your heart, what, when the pressures of life come, the word is going to come out of your mouth. Matthew 12, 34 in the NIV tells us, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus said this, their mouths, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, were speaking evil and out of their mouths, they were, they were betraying their hearts. They were telling on their hearts, it, telltale hearts. That's what was happening, and that's what happens with us too. Believing in your heart what God says and speaking what God says with your mouth is a power-packed combination. It's how we were, came into the kingdom of God to begin with. We heard words, we believed words, words the words the words were the word of god the word of god is god himself god is the word and the word is god they're one and the same 
And the Bible says in one portion of scripture that we're to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. That word for word is sperma. And you can figure out we get the word sperm from sperma. It's the very DNA of God Almighty. His word came into Mary. She said, be it unto me according to your word. And the very word of God came into her and that divine DNA brought about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ who is the word inside of her. The word of God is powerful and our words matter. Psalm 16, 23, let's look at some really great promises. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. And I put in parentheses, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth words. Proverbs 12, 18, the tongue, which forms words, of the wise promotes health. Proverbs 13, 3, he who guards his mouth, or guards his words, preserves his life. Proverbs 15, 4, a wholesome tongue, or we can say words, is a tree of life. Proverbs 12, 6, the mouth, words, of the upright will deliver them. Now we know that the Bible says that he sent his word and delivered them. But God's word needs to be coming out of our mouths because God now is working through our words. He watches over our words to perform them. So if we have been going through the same adversity or the same circumstances for a prolonged period of time, it's a good idea to do a checkup on what you've been saying. Because it says in Proverbs 12, 6, that it, your words, the words of the upright, are going to deliver them. Amen? Amen? We can find out what we believe in our heart by listening what's to what's coming out of our mouth. The words we speak reveal what's really in our heart. It reveals, the words reveal what we truly believe. If you've heard the following words coming out of your mouth, such as, I can't pay my bills this month. You're speaking words of lack. What does the Bible say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or lack, depending on the version that you're reading. You have a choice. You might be looking at your checkbook and it's screaming more bills than money. You have a choice. What are you gonna, who do you, who do you believe? What, what do you believe? Do you believe that God has made a covenant of wholeness with you and that he will never change? That he's always there for you and he'll never be against you? Do you believe that? Then let your words speak what you truly believe in your heart, not the circumstances that you're experiencing because your circumstances are subject to change. They're temporal, they will change. They'll change, they could change for the worst or they could change for the better if you make a decision to speak what God says. Do you find yourself saying, my asthma, my arthritis, 
my fibromyalgia, if you can even say that? Do you find yourself calling sicknesses and diseases your very own? That's a pet peeve of mine. Please don't do that with me because I will love you, but I will tell you the truth and tell you this. If you want to keep it, call it yours because then you're responsible for it. My car. Who's responsible to keep up, uh, upkeep on my car? Me? Me. Who puts gas in my car? Me. Who has to do that? Me. So if you don't want asthma to have you, don't call it your own. Don't say it's yours. Because you're speaking words of sickness and disease, and you're speaking words contrary to the word of God. We're speaking contrary to the word of God. What we should be saying, that by his stripes, I might feel horrible. I might look horrible. But the word of God says that by his stripes, I was healed. In a number of different places, we're told about healing. Let's speak what God says and get God's results. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'm afraid that, I'm worried about, well, what if? You're speaking words of fear. The Bible says that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But power, love, and a sound disciplined mind. That's what God's word says. Speak what God's word says. You might feel afraid. You might feel worried. But Jesus tells us, what is worrying going to do to your life? It's not going to make you live any longer. But seek first the kingdom of God. His way of doing things. His way of being right. His kingdom is a kingdom of words. Speak his word. The Bible says that we're in Psalm 34, 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. I want to tell you, I want to share these things with you. That was all really good news and now comes the other side of things, but that's okay. James 3.10 tells us, out of the, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, so the, church, the believers are being spoken to. These things ought not to be so. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. This shouldn't be. Something's wrong when that, we're being told something is wrong when this happens. Are we speaking words that are going to bless? Are we speaking words that are contrary to the word of God that will side with the curse that we've been delivered from. The curse operates on this earth, but it doesn't have to operate in the life of a Christian. It should never operate in our lives because Jesus Christ became a curse for us so that we could be put in right standing with God the Father. Proverbs 4.24 says, put away from, this is King James, put away from thee a froward mouth. We don't use that word. That's, King James, <laughs> and perverse, but it means perverse. Perverse lips put far from thee. The NLV says it this way, which sounds more like the way we talk today. Put false speaking away from you. Put bad talk far from you. 
When we speak words that side in with circumstances that are not in line with the covenant that God has made with us, the, the way that God has blessed us, we are speaking froward, false, and bad words. We're, we're as children of God, we're doing that. That's serious, right? Words matter. Words affect us. The word froward means willfully contrary, not easily managed. Some synonyms are perverse, crooked, or twisted. Sounds contrary to the nature of God in each one of us, right? So a froward mouth is willfully contrary, and it's a serious matter. Deuteronomy 32.20 tells us this. This is what God says about the children of Israel. I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. And really, that's what our words boil down to. Do we really believe what God says? All we have to do is look at creation. That, that should settle it, really. God said it was, and it still is. Right? Hasn't changed. God's word is powerful. A froward mouth, or in other places in the Bible, you hear the word froward um, attached to the word heart. And we've seen that the heart and the mouth are connected. So a froward mouth or a froward heart is the same when you read in the Bible about an evil or a wicked heart. That's what this is about. One that is habitually disposed to disobedience. And God resists the froward because the froward mouth is a proud mouth. And proud people are people that are resisting the word of God. We don't want to be that, church. We don't want to be that. James 4, 6 tells us that God resists the proud or the froward. A froward heart and mouth are contrary to God and his ways, and a froward mouth is prideful, and it cannot access God's grace because only humble people, only humility can access the grace of God. So, in conclusion, our words matter and tonight we have an opportunity, if you're sitting here tonight and this message has been making you squirm in your seat, it did me, I can't tell you. Even the, when certain thoughts would come, I'd be like, oh my gosh, that so wants to come out of my mouth. No, I'm not going to let it. I've lived this since I knew I was going to be doing the message tonight. So if that's you tonight, what I'd like to do is have everybody stand up. Just stay right at your seats. You don't have to come to the altar at this point. You can come forward in a little while for prayer if you, if you need it. But tonight what I'd like to do is lead us all in a confession. Because if you know that you've been wrong in doing something, the Bible says if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So what good would it be to know, oh my gosh, if I could raise my two hands and both of my feet and every part of me, go, ah, yes, that's me. What good would it be to know and not do something about it, right? 
So we're gonna do something about it tonight. If this is not you, you don't, don't go through an empty ritual if your heart's not in it, because we've talked about our heart and our mouth being connected. So if your heart really wants to get right with God, if you wanna confess, that's me. I've been speaking about my circumstances. I've been saying things that are contrary to the word of God, and I don't wanna do that anymore. We can have a fresh start. We can have a new beginning tonight. So if that's you, I'm gonna say a prayer and just follow after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your word. Your word is good. Your word is pure. Your word is powerful. And I desire to keep, to treasure, and to guard your word that is in my heart diligently because I want my life to line up with your word. Father, I come to you to confess that my words have not been in line with you. I have, sp I have spoken words that are contrary to the word of God. Father, I receive your cleansing and your forgiveness because I am, I am confessing or I am agreeing with your word that my words have not been your word. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for loving, loving me. Thank you for being so merciful that I haven't gotten what I've deserved. But as of tonight, I purpose in my heart to speak what your word says about my life, about my marriage, about my family, about my children, about my job, about my church, about my pastor. I will speak what you say because I am wise and I desire to experience life. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.